0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: With the World Equestrian Center and the USCF drama still fresh in our minds, why can't we find a way to make horse shows more affordable? This week, we're talking about the wonky, zigzag path it'll take for equestrians to get to the Olympics while sipping on mimosas. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome Welcome to Happy 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 Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin.
2: I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniakha. Welcome to episode 81 of Heels Down Happy Hour. And welcome to 2021. I know. How are you guys? I think we're in the
1: same state right now, aren't we?
3: We are.
1: Wow, you're so
3: close. I know, so close. You'll have to come (laughs) visit. I'm here for like 10 days. So excited. Are you? Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. Yep, so I am at Ocala at the new world equestrian center oh what's your opinion so far how do you like it it's awesome everything is far like it is far from everything but it is it's beautiful it is truly beautiful and they have thought of uh, almost everything
1: i know you'll have to give us a tour while you're there maybe shoot some video show us like your favorite spots
3: i will i will i'll i'll do some video for you guys and give you like backstage kind of vaccine access that'd be fun
1: So are you guys doing the jumpers while you're there? Is that the plan?
3: We are. We have, we brought 15 horses, so a lot. So we've got eventers and jumpers here. Uh, The eventers will kind of go out and do, you know, we brought some of the bigger guys. Doug has training camp next week as well for the eventing horses. So we brought everything from some five-year-olds to Quincy the Grand Prix horse and everything in between and kid horses all of the above. Hmm. Interesting. So be fun. Definitely. Well, this episode is brought to you by
1: equal gold. As you already know, if you're a, a loyal listener to our show, we love equal gold. And lately I've been loving my flip half pad mat. We reviewed it on the show last year, uh, but I just used it at a horse show this weekend and got so many compliments on it. My Flip Half Pad Matte is the Havana color, and it just looks so nice with my saddle. It has a nice, sleek matte finish. But my favorite part about the Flip Half Pad Matte is that it's actually vegan. It's uh, manufactured ethically, which is a really important standard of eco-golds. It, but it comes with all of the, the classic perks gold perks that, you, that we know and love. So one, it's a flip pad, so it's two pads in one. Two, it's shimmable, so it's perfect. It's a perfect fit every time, every ride, every horse. And it has EcoGold's classic uh, superior support system with high-density foam. So if you're interested in getting your own Flip half-pad mat, go to ecogold.ca. All right, Ellie, I hear you have a great drink for us to kick off the new year.
2: Yeah, so I don't know if you guys saw it, but I posted this in the Heels Down Happy Hour uh, group on Facebook because I was so excited about it. Raspberry mimosas. So, so really like, quick,
3: did you actually try this yet? I made the Ellie version, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it looks like sludge. You... No, <laughs> yeah, Ellie basically made what was in her house and calls it a raspberry mimosa.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yep, pretty much um, perfect. Okay, <laughs> but the official ingredients are. A lemon wedge, which I did use. One-fourth cup granulated sugar, and that's for your rim. Uh, A fourth cup of raspberry sorbet, which I used black raspberry Um, ice cream. Uh, Ooh,
1: (laughs) I like that, though.
2: Yeah, four ounces of chambro board. I actually have no idea what that is. I use cheap Champagne.
3: Oh well, so this is a liqueur. Chambord's a great liqueur. It's a black raspberry liqueur. I think it's actually French or something, but it would be really good with yes. some champagne. So you, oh, you kind of on okay. the same page, but it's like a liqueur, like a black currant that would go on top of it.
2: Okay, yeah. So I just did double the champagne because I did oh. champagne for that, and then I did a bottle of. Uh, sparkling Moscato, but I did cheap champagne. (laughs) So it was a lot of champagne and black raspberry ice cream, but (laughs) it still sounds really good. It really does. So then you get some, you know, fresh raspberries for garnish, but basically, you know, it's just a mix of everything. And you get to rim the glasses with the lemon wedge and dip them in sugar. So if you want to feel like all fancy, um, then you just put the scoop of the sorbet in each glass and then top it with the Mm-hmm. right? Okay. Shamboard and the sparkling Moscato and a few fresh raspberries. Yum. You're or getting you're... better every
1: time you say shamboard.
2: <laughs> or so. you could just stick everything in the blender like I did and hope for the best. <laughs> and
3: mix it all up and you're good to go. <laughs> so you guys I have some pretty interesting news this week. So for this year, 2021, the USCA has come out with a new like scoring leaderboard system. And I find this quite interesting. There were a couple of different articles about it, but basically the United States Eventing Association has now decided to tabulate their point system for the year-end award leaderboards differently. And it's pretty interesting. Peggy McGowan, who was a dear friend, passed away, um, like a year ago or so, he was all for changing the system because he wanted to push. And a lot of people have wanted to push that basically they want it to be more of a quality, not quantity type leaderboard. So it doesn't matter like running a thousand different horses or running your one horse thousand different places as in what we're promoting. It's promoting the quality. So picking your system, picking your schedule and picking those better events that are suited for you, and then trying to really go win those. And so for point system, not just being a point chaser, and going to run every other event basically. So I find a couple of the key points that were really important was that one, your score, your final score, doesn't matter what place you're in, it has to be an MER. And it's different for Uh, national levels or fei levels but basically you have to have a our score that's under a 50 for national 45 for fei and then you have to have no jumping penalties and under a certain amount of allotted cross-country time and then you can't have more than four rails show jumping Hmm. and and so it basically means like you have to like earned your place in the sense of like you have to still have gone clean cross country and a lot of time you have to put in a good dressage test but it's not about the final score now and in that as well they're only taking like the points will only count if you're in the top 25 percent of your class so if you go to like carolina or the fork or these big shows that have like massive amounts of entries you still get counted if you're in the top 25%. But if you go to some smaller shows or wherever else and there's only three people in it, then third place doesn't get the same amount of points as somebody like at Carolina. And they're also doing, even beyond that, that FEI events and USCA classics will actually qu- count for more points as well. So they're really kind of stacking the leaderboard to say, look, it's not just given to anybody. You kind of have to do it. and We'll have to share the link and stuff like this. The USA did a really good like breakdown and it was pretty interesting to myself that like, it was interesting who would have been, they did the overall leader of uh, the leaderboard for 2019 and it was somewhat the same, but there were some that dropped off and some that were added to the overall leaderboards of like boyd and Phillip and all of those people some dropped off the list and some were actually added with this new point system so you guys will have to check it out because i find it really interesting i'm a numbers person and all this that i'm kind of looking forward to like what the new leaderboards are going to look like
1: i think this is really interesting and also a great update uh like you said it's re- it's rewarding the riders who um Who compete in bigger divisions bigger classes i mean that just it all makes sense to me right
3: yeah and then another added point is that they're also doing only the six events so horse and rider combination if you do 20 events in the year only your top six are going to count and Uh so i find that important so like you're not you know it's back to the quality over quantity so i'm really really excited about it
2: definitely interesting what do you got ellie yeah, so I just have some fun, hopeful news uh, for 2021. Actually, Tryon, uh, the Equestrian Center down there in South, or excuse me, North Carolina, is acting right now as a COVID nineteen vaccination site. So they've done over like 1,200 vaccines to date. So it's just really great that they're out there doing what they can to help us kind of move past and get back to normal. So I'm I'm excited for that. I have not gotten the vaccine yet because of my MS. They're like waiting to see if like my medications will make it like bad for me or something like that. Um, but I'm definitely excited and all of my friends have gotten it. So I'm hoping that I can get it soon and that we can all uh, get back to horse showing, to be honest. I'm super
3: excited that I did not know. We got a try on all the time. I actually did not know they doubled as a COVID vaccine, like place. So distribution center. So I'm super excited for that. So that's awesome. Cause that we awesome. actually did get our vaccine. Oh, um, okay. yeah, Doug and I, and, um, we actually were, we fell under the category of one a in South Carolina. So we went to towards Columbia and the place we were going was giving 600 vaccines a day. I mean, wow. now, like pumping it out. So I'm really excited, like for everybody to Be getting it and, like, kind of like you said, get back to normal. And so, with us just traveling all the time and with the kids, we found once we were eligible for the 1A to be super excited that we were able to get on the list and get one.
1: Yeah, that's great. I mean, I've been to try on two, and it it just seems like a really nice, central, easy to get to, like, right off the main highway place for everybody who lives in that part of North Carolina. So, um, so it definitely makes sense to me that it would become a distribution site.
2: So Justine, I'm really excited about your nurse. So tell me, tell me specifics. All right. It's a good science story. So,
1: you know, buckle up. It's a good one. All right. So a new study was published in the Equine Veterinary Journal this month. And researchers from the University of Kentucky use genes um, from research in horses to, to basically help them determine uh, which type of horses might be more at risk for a catastrophic breakdown. And I know the phrase catastrophic breakdown is like, you know, makes me wince a little bit. And you think about thoroughbreds, right? When they break down on the track, that's, that's basically what they're looking for. And they were able to use this pool of about 21 genes, which came from horses, uh, which uh, basically they use these genes to, they're like encoding proteins associated with inflammation and bone repair and modeling and tissue repair Uh, and also response to injury. And researchers were able to basically zero in on three different genes that showed significantly different activity between injured and non-injured horses. So by using that information, they're able to determine what type of horses might be more at risk for that really terrible, catastrophic breakdowns that we sometimes see. And that really has to do with like an inflammatory response within the animal. Yeah. So I'm going to link this story from bloodhorse.com that really gets into the nitty gritty details of everything that they, um, that they went through this in this study, which was significantly thorough. Um, like they went through 686 blood samples, um, which they obtained from racetracks in five different States.
3: That's awesome. And just think about really, really excited about this.
1: Exactly, right? Like, think about what we can do with this information going forward and, and what accidents we can possibly just completely erase. And, and you know what I mean? And think about, like, just won't have that risk when we are armed with this type of information.
3: No, I so, mean, it's it's pretty incredible. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, so we'll see where it goes from here. Obviously, this is still just one study and it's very early on, but it is very hopeful.
3: Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the start of hopefully what we'll see in the future is a lot. Absolutely. I just want to shout out to everybody that has donated through Patreon. It is an incredible thing that keeps us going, and we love all of you guys. And I just wanted to thanks for everybody that's contributed every month for us. And if you want to check it out and support us, I'd love it even more. It's www.patreon.com slash Heels Down. And Justine, you want to talk about those awesome saddles that you have. And I am dying to hear a little bit more about been riding him in for a little bit how's it holding up and like what are your thoughts on it
1: yeah sure so last year we reviewed the arena saddles new line of jump and dressage saddles and i got a jump saddle and it's great. It's, it's like a, it's a wonderful saddle. So we just wanted to give you guys an update. Uh, we've gotten a lot of questions over the last year since we first uh, reviewed them. So basically, uh, what what struck me about arena saddles was just the, the quality of the product for the price point. The, the saddles are relatively new in the US. And they're, they're kind of what they reminded me of is um, like a, a nice middle of the road saddle uh, with quality leather. But again, at an affordable price point that, and what is really great about it is for someone who rides a lot of horses, it has the exchangeable gullet system and it has the care panels, um, which are the air panels and the flocking. And what I, I found it to be very comfortable, it has a nice open jump seat. It has movable knee blocks with Velcro underneath the flap. I thought that the leather really held up pretty nicely over the last year And so when I first got the saddle, you know, everyone at the barn was very curious. It was a new brand that no one had heard of. They wanted to know more about it. And since then, actually, a junior rider at the farm got their own arena saddle and she shares it with her mom. Because and her and her mom ride different horses, but they love the exchangeable gullet system. So Danielle rides it, you know, with the medium gullet for her horse. And then her daughter, Lexi, rides it with uh, a medium wide for her little bit of a stockier pony. And they've, they love it. So I actually, when we, when I knew we were going to talk about arena saddles on this podcast, I reached out to them just to get some. Information from them too, because they're people I know who who bought it and love it, and um and yeah, they still love the saddle. They love sharing it, and and they use it on multiple horses, and it's holding up well. So I feel like it's a it's a great saddle if you are if you maybe don't own your own horse and you know you're going to be jumping around on different on different horses backs, and you're and you want something that's going to hold up, but you don't want to spend a ton of money on something custom yet because it's your saddle's not going to sit on one horse over time. I feel like this saddle is perfect for that. You have all you have all these benefits of the exchangeable gullet, the great look, the movable knee blocks. It's really customizable that way. And again, it's really held up over time over the last year. So if you want to learn more about Arena saddles and check out all the features and benefits for yourself, You should go to horseandridertechnology.com, which is the acronym HART, H-A-R-T. Again, the website is horseandrider, all spelled out, technology.com. All right, everybody. I'm really excited to introduce our guest, our first guest of 2021, Ann Glavin is an amateur rider and a law student. Uh, she's in her second year of studies at the University of Wisconsin, but you probably know her name because she spent four years as an editorial staff writer at the Chronicle of the Horse. Anne is originally from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. She grew up competing on the A Circuit and the Hunters and the Equitations on her off-track thoroughbred. And she currently owns a Frisian thoroughbred cross, which is really interesting, by the way, <laughs> who she purchased as a two-year-old, and she competes in the adult jumpers.
4: So, hi Anne, welcome. Hello, thank you for that introduction. Uh, yeah, happy to be here. Happy to be here for Happy Hour. Love yes, that.
1: yes, we're glad you joined us. Cheers.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>
1: So uh, I know you're no longer full-time at the Chronicle, but I've read several of your pieces that you've published recently, you know, in the last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's been, it feels like it's just been a wild
4: year, obviously in general, but also for horse sports. Um, Yeah, it's it's funny that we coincided with a wild year that was wild in so many other ways. Like, we we couldn't leave it alone. (laughs)
1: Seriously. Uh, But, you know, from... Like a quick recap here, like from the World Equestrian Center with all the the whole debacle with the USCF to, um, you know the now USHGA is doing these derby enrollment fees for twenty twenty one. It just feels like no matter no matter what happens in this pandemic crazy world, that it's so hard to make this sport that we do just affordable for the average person. And I know you've written extensively about this both from your own personal experience as an amateur rider. But I don't know. Can you give me just a quick recap? Like, why is the USCF so dead yeah. set on making this sport unaffordable?
4: Well, and I would say, you know, the examples you gave, like with the uh, USHJ and Derby enrollment fees, it's just another testament to usef not getting it, right? And sports governance not getting the bigger picture. They are not understanding what had people so riled up and so upset over WEC and uh, USCF. That's what struck me about seeing those derby enrollment fees. I thought, wow, they really, they really aren't catching on like I thought they would. <laughs> A lot of people were like, oh, is this the breaking point? I don't know because it doesn't seem like they're taking any of it to heart, to be quite frank. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, like the derby enrollment fees are another great example of them not getting it. I thought it was quite funny after the WEK debacle blew up that uh, the next kind of thing to hit the news was the amateur rule. And uh, changes to the amateur rule, which you'll notice they dropped right away after people got quite upset about it. But I thought, wow, so you listened to everyone talk about WEC and how upset they were and thought, now's the time. Now's the time to really blow up the amateur rule. That's what people are clamoring for. <laughs> no, no, you, you did not read the room, Yousef or USHJ.
1: To clarify, the amateur rule we're talking about, that's the social media ambassador stuff, right? Like, whether or not...
4: Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, which they very wisely dropped when people were like, how in God's green earth are you going to moderate this? And are, how are you going to... It was just silly, right? And and I thought it was silly on both them for dredging it up. And I, like, I had a couple of people reach out and they're like, don't you think it's unfair if amateurs are making money off of, you know, a Facebook post for their boots or their helmet? And I thought... No, I don't think it's – I don't know that them making a few hundred bucks off of posting their sponsored content for Parlante is going to make the difference between me winning the you know jumper class and them winning the jumper class. And And it strikes me as even funnier when you think about the amateurs in our sport – you know, nothing against them, but they're extremely wealthy people. So, well, it, that's
3: it. Like they're amateurs because they can afford to not have to be a professional. So it's yeah, like yeah. they're that. And so if they are an influencer and everything else that this world's come to, like, absolutely. And I mean, I've never seen so many of our owners like personally been like, yeah, no problem. We'll go. So we're here and a little bit of backstory. My husband and I are here with a bunch of horses at Weck because they're like, go for it. They all mm-hmm. were so kind of mad because USCF wasn't listening and not that they can't listen, but it was a little bit that, that they're like, look, we want to go to WEC. We don't, we have a couple of clients that will not go to a couple different places. So they're like, no, we want to go to WEC. We want to see what it's about. And we're very thankful that the FEI stepped up and allowed us to be able to do it because the USCF obviously. Didn't care at the time Mm -hmm. To listen to what people yeah. And and I think it's Back to that like I don't think It's a bad thing for the USCF to have a little bit of competition In the NSBA And Mm -hmm. I think it's really good for them To kind of be on their toes and not Just be this monopoly That they can go and do whatever they want That they're like no you kind of have to rein it back and do what everybody Really wants and so I guess that's like My little question to you is is that kind of what everybody else is feeling in your mind? Like, do you think that it is bad for the USCF to have some competition between the NSBA or other organizations?
4: I, I think that is what I that is what I hope people um, take from the WEC and everything that what happened in WEC Cal. Because I got a lot of people saying, "You think Weko Cal is affordable? It's still not affordable to pay whatever 500, $750, just under a thousand to show for a weekend." And I completely agree. It's not but it's the beginning of Yusef recognizing that they are not the end all be all in sports governance. And yeah. I, think it's, I think it's funny that it took, and I put myself in the same boat, it took Weck to kind of show us as an industry or remind us as an industry that this sport does not begin and end in Yusef. And I'm a bit of a, I, I've become a bit of a sports governance nerd through all of this. And I just got curious and started thinking, you know, we can't possibly be the only sport having these issues. So I started calling other sports governing bodies. I called U.S. fencing, U.S. archery, um, U.S. basketball. U.S. basketball was a particularly interesting conversation. And obviously, you know, people would say you can't compare basketball and horses, that's apples and oranges. Um, But I would argue you don't need to compare them so much in that regard, so much as to look at other governing bodies and see how they operate and realize that there's a different way for Yusef to operate. I think they've done a very good job of convincing us that our sport is just going to fall apart without them, that they have set it up to run, and without them, the sport doesn't exist. And, for example, when I was talking to U.S. basketball and I was, you know, kind of relaying to them the drama going on in our world, and I said, you know, what's your take on this? They said, you know, as a national governing body, we at U.S. basketball see our role as – going out to people who are already participating in the sport. The sport already exists outside of U.S. basketball. They approach those people, those tournaments, those organizations, and they say, what can we do to help you? What what value do you see in us coming in as U.S. basketball and joining forces with you and helping you to continue promoting the sport? Whereas Yusef more acts like they are handing down the sport to us from on high, and that we like serve at their leisure and we compete in our sport at their leisure. And I think WEC did a very good job of reminding us, hey, there's nothing stopping us from getting together and getting our horses together and holding a competition outside of Yusuf. So I like hats off to WEC for reminding us that that is how the sport can operate.
3: Well, and with that, exactly. It's it's so nice. And I think everybody's done this. And so, like, in your personal opinion, does it feel like because now USCF is like joined in and said, look, we'll support WEC and all that. Do you feel like it's going to then fizzle out the oper- like with the NSBA in the Hunter Jumper world? Or do you think this is just the beginning to kind of make a reminder?
4: I am very hopeful that it's just the beginning. I do understand people's concerns. You know, Yusef kind of, <laughs> they slightly read the room and they thought, okay, we've all seen WEC. Oh my God, the pictures people have been posting. Well, and you're there right now. The pictures people have been posting from that facility are just unbelievable. They read the room and realized that they, they needed to be in on that, right? Um, But I will be very interested. I don't know if you s- read the statement Weck put out. I think maybe Weck and Yusef put it out together, actually. But it was very carefully worded and said, we have reached an agreement for the season, and we will revisit this negotiation going forward. And
3: well, I, it's a, I'm hoping it's opening it up, that like the summer series and stuff like that, because I don't know if every one of the listeners, all of the barns are air conditioning or they're all climate controlled. They have arenas that are climate controlled. Like Mm -hmm. you could see a lot of big events happening in Ocala in the middle of summer where why would you ever come like be a big show in the middle of summer? Mm -hmm. Because it's too hot. But now that's not the case. You might see some small Grand prix. You might, we don't know what we'll see here. Mm -hmm. And I'm very excited that like, You know, now that the NSBA has actually been recognized by the FEI, I'm I'm hoping, I'm very hopeful like you, that it's not going to be a one-off thing.
4: Yeah. And NSBA is one of those interesting organizations. I had heard of them. I have friends that show in the Western world and I had heard of them through the Western world and always thought it was interesting that, you know, you would be an AQHA member, but at your AQHA show, you would have a snaffle bit class. So they didn't try and come in and say, we are this is now a snaffle bit show. They just came in and said, hey, if you're showing up at this AQHA event, you can enter a class that is NSBA. And AQHA yeah. allowed that to run in conjunction. So I don't know that we're going to see – I think everyone thought it was very big and exciting. And obviously, I thought it was great to uh, kind of put stuff in their place for the whole show to be NSBA. I think what we're going to see going forward is – I mean, there is value to having a USEF recognized rating for your show. Oh, 100%. So WEC is going to want that rating. But I think we will see them continue. The, the Roberts have a history in the Western world, right? They, I believe uh, Rob used to run Western shows up at the Ohio facility. So I think we're going to see NSBA classes, multiple NSBA classes offered at USEF shows. And I hope that they work out the pricing so that you can have lower fees. Maybe you ship in for the day and you just show in your NSBA show and they don't charge you a shipping fee. They don't charge you a stall. I hope yeah. they're something like that out.
2: No, that's, so, that's really interesting. I want to touch on those charges. I don't know. Um, Anne, if you read the article that horse sport put out, um, about where that discipline levy is going, did you see that article? I glanced at it, but no, I, I, uh, no, I did not read it. So it's basically like, where, where is our money and our extra fees actually going? Like, are our dues basically paying for McLean Ward
4: to qualify for the Olympics? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, my personal opinion on that is, I, I don't think these funds are earmarked, right? When you pay money to USF, I don't think the money, little Anglovin member pays, goes into a particular pot, right? It's kind of all going in the same pot. And then from that pot, we can read their 990s and see that, yes, it is in fact paying for McLean Ward to go to the Olympics, for Kent to go to the Olympics, for, you know, for all of these riders. Frankly, what uh, I find more irritating is that it pays for far less talented riders to go compete in Nations Cups. (laughs) <laughs> In far places just for the sake of wearing a red jacket and saying I was on a nation's cup. I mean, that just ugh, really rubs me the wrong way.
1: Yeah, good point. And just to uh, just to clarify, that Horsepart article was specifically about Equine Canada, which is obviously a little different than you, Youssef. But uh, and. I mean, through your experience, both as a as a journalist and also personally as an amateur writer, I mean, do you, who does a good job of catering to the normal people in the sport, uh, for lack of a better word? I feel like a lot of people like to say eventing is more friendly. It's a little bit cheaper of a price point. Uh, do you feel like it's the USCA or is it just nobody?
4: I mean, who, oh, like, who, I, I absolutely. Hats off to USCA. I adore USCA. I wish I liked the sport of eventing more. <laughs> I, I, I just show, I love show jumping. I show jumping is my sport. I love it. I hate that it prices me out of it at most every turn. But, uh, I, when I first started competing my young horse, I competed him in three day eventing because it was so much cheaper. It wasn't even a question. Um, And yeah, the community, obviously there's a lot to say about the eventing community. I think it's just generally a more more friendly, salt of the earth, uh, down-to-earth people competing in eventing, but they make it cheaper. I was particularly fascinated that I went to the Kentucky Horse Park, competed in a three-day event. It cost me, I think, just over $300, everything, stall, entries, everything, just over $300. Came back and competed at the exact same Kentucky Horse Park, same fences, same footing, same rings. And they didn't even have to rent the cross-country course for the show jumping show. I could not get out of the office for less than $800. And yes. I thought, this is ridiculous. It's the same facility. It's the same facility fees. They always want to you know, yell at us about facility fees. So I called the organizer of the three-day event, um, who was Erin. Oh, I'm blanking on her last name. She works at Pony Club. And she was wonderful. And I just said, how did you run that event and make it that affordable? And she said, well, just to be clear, if I ran my events like Y'all Run Your Horse Shows they wouldn't be affordable. They would cost what you are being charged at horse shows. We show up at horse shows and we want everything done for us. We, I mean, the people at the in-gate are paid to be there. The jump crews paid to be there. We don't think of anything as a volunteer position. We, we pay and employ people to do it. So of course it costs what it costs. You're paying someone's salary. You're paying someone's wages. So I think we have to take a serious look at ourselves as an industry and ask ourselves, are we willing to do what eventers do? Eventers... It is seen as something that you do for your sport that you go and volunteer at those events. And you're kind of frowned upon if you don't go and volunteer at your events. We don't have a community like that. So I think, I mean, we can sit here and complain all we want about why are our shows so expensive. At some point, we have to look in the mirror and say, why is our community so complacent and not stepping up and doing something to make our sport more affordable? I mean,
1: good point. So in this year and beyond, what do you think... What do you think is coming next? Do you see more amateurs? I don't want to say settling, but feeling like they're okay with doing local schooling shows. You know, we had Aaron Gilmore on the show last year who who talked a lot about this, about the power of schooling shows
0: mm-hmm. uh, and,
1: and sort of the their rise and now is the time. I mean, do you feel like there there is a movement behind amateurs for that or are you I personally don't see Yusef coming around, but I mean what do you
4: think comes <laughs> next? <laughs> Well, so the schooling show conversation is interesting. Also, Aaron Gilmore rocks. I love Aaron. Shout out to Aaron. But uh, the schooling show thing is interesting. I, I, I think it fascinates me that Yusef doesn't understand what the average amateur wants out of a show. And I, I'm being slightly facetious, but not that facetious when I say we want to go jump on good footing and get like a good picture out of it for Facebook. And then like have a drink with our friends. That's, that's most the thing I've ever that is it. That In is my it. Entire life. it. <laughs> it. it. If I can do that for 50 bucks without Yousef. I don't care if Yousef is, I'm sorry. I will never have the money to chase horse of the year points. And frankly, even if I did, I wouldn't care. Like it's, that's not what the sport is to me. It is, It is, I'm trying to remember what rider, I was interviewing somebody in Wellington once and they said something that's stuck with me and I'm mad at myself for not remembering who said it, but they said, you know, people these days don't see horse shows the way we used to see horse shows. It is not, yes, you were competing against other people, but you were going to a horse show to see, did my homework at home pay off? Did all that work I did to stop my horse's left drift? Can I put it into action in a new ring over new fences when the horse is nervous, when I'm nervous? and and how does that rank, you know, how does that rank against my competitors? Am I learning at, you know, an average rate? Am I, it, it was just to see how you're doing. And that's how I think of horse shows. I mean, I never went in the ring with my young horse and thought, oh, I want to win this class. I thought it'd be really cool if I put in a clear round and then went and sat in the stands with my friends and had a beer. That like, so I very much see a market for, quality um and i won't even call them schooling shows just quality opportunities to take your horse out and jump it on good footing good fences and you know if they want to have a judge and have ribbons that'd be fine that'd be fine too you know what i mean i I definitely see i hope i hope the industry sees the enormous market for shows like that My, my example i always go back to um is, are the shows that Sean Wardley ran in Lexington over the summer. It, you, cu- you couldn't even really call them shows. He set up a beautiful course on beautiful footing at his farm. I think you paid 30 bucks. You went in the ring, you jumped around with timers and with like a time allowed and a jump off and everything, but there was no judge. There was no, um, there was no ribbons. It was, it was just go jump around and have a good round and get some beautiful pictures and have a great time. And that's what we all want. So I hope, I pray, the industry realizes that we are all out here begging for those opportunities. And if if you provide, if you build it, they will come. Well, Anne, you,
1: it's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining us for this uh, really good discussion. I mean, you got me like heated up. Like I just I want to, <laughs> I just want to go to a horse show for the photo and a beer. I do. I know. So,
0: <laughs>
2: so. We'll have to have you back on for sure. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. So guys, it's my favorite time of the year because Pack is having their 50% off clearance um, on all of the cold weather essentials. So this is the time that I stock up on all the blankets that my horses have destroyed over the season, um, gloves, everything to keep me warm up on this godforsaken mountain. The sale ends soon, so check out smartpackequine.com to get a great deal.
3: So our next guest is obviously one of my favorite people in the world, my husband Doug. He came to join us. Say hi. Hey
0: there. How's everything going? I feel
2: what like mean? we haven't had you on in a long time.
0: It's been, it's been quite a while. It's I know. Been quite a while.
2: I mean, we definitely haven't had you on since you've become actually famous.
0: You're a meme. Oh, is that it?
2: <laughs> you're a meme now.
0: Oh, the meme. Oh, yeah. And the burn. You are
1: meme
2: now. Yeah,
0: you are jumping you know over. big big you big You big you big big jumping mittens. over the burn. I'll tell you yeah. so. <laughs>
3: That's a pretty epic picture. We're gonna have to make it sure is. everybody on the podcast has seen this. We'll it was like, actually
0: really funny. Obviously, try and posted it. And it's uh, Star Witness. We call her a we, we call a ginger, so she's the ginger ninja, basically. Um, complicated because her papers actually say she's dark brown, but she's definitely a chestnut. Um, anyway, so this this uh, I got a Insta uh, direct message and this girl just sent me this picture of the horse jumping the ditch and brush. And I said, you know, I actually was with Jess and I'm like, look, this girl's like three months late to the party here. I mean, it's a great picture, no doubt, but, and then sure, you know, sure enough looked a bit closer and uh, yeah, the burns sitting underneath uh, watching the view of her stomach going over with her, with his mittens. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> he was just a casual, like jump judge
0: yeah in the water <laughs> a little bit awkward they should have they should have <laughs> given him a rowboat or something i think that would have been even better still but
2: um. oh the rowboat you know that's a good idea all right somebody somebody who's gonna photoshop right. better make a rowboat <laughs> oh my gosh so well we actually came
1: we invited you on to ask you like some serious questions oh, I'm so. Ready. <laughs> so maybe all right, well, not a good t- idea no, well, first
0: off tell me this what was the drink of the day mimosas Mimo- that's a morning oh, br- drink this is afternoon, isn't
2: Ellie, it? Ellie makes mimosas all Listen, day time. Listen, it doesn't, yeah. Anytime a time time. is a time really for strange. champagne and ice cream.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what she made her
3: mimosa
0: like. <laughs> Excellent.
1: We'll make you one, Doug. The next I'm ready you. for
0: it. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> I will never turn down any sort of alcohol.
1: All right. So it's 2021. You're in Ocala. We're thinking about the Olympics. It's already been postponed for
0: one well, year. Wait, hold on. Let, let me stop you. So we're based we're based in Aiken, right? We're visiting Ocala. No, no, yeah, right, right, right. I yeah, know, and I want to be. Let's get super clear you, here. He'll
3: never claim Ocala. Yeah, we're
0: not claiming Ocala for the entirety.
1: And technically, you're not going to be based in Aiken that much longer.
0: No, we still will. We, we're gonna. um I think there's actually no better place to develop horses than Aiken for the winter for the season. Win. So, so we'll be there more or less first quarter of every year.
1: Okay. All right. That's good to know but anyways, back to the Olympics.
0: Okay. I'm ready.
1: (laughs) So back to the Olympics, it's been postponed. Uh, it it could very likely be postponed again. Uh, you know, horse sport published an interesting article about, you know, could Kentucky not run this year? It it sounds like it's up in the air. It's not that far away from now. I I feel like that would be a, a big problem if we don't have a, yeah, a five-star I think a big, run a
0: big problem is an, an understatement i think kentucky has clearly been the leading competitions forever now and and is the pinnacle of our sport in our country and if we were to lose that i i would think that's an epic failure on many 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 uh ways you know and um from my best understanding i think there's uh there's certainly some some uh, very positive things happening so my expectation will be that kentucky would run i'm personally a little less optimistic about uh, tokyo but uh certainly we are planning as if it were to run and we're lucky enough to have three horses qualified so if it does we are going to do our best to make sure that we are in the mix
1: well so how are you planning your year then how are you planning your competition year for 2021 knowing that so much is up in the air?
0: Yeah. You know, in the end, it doesn't change anything about the spring season because it's it's unchanged. All of the horses, I would tend to look at it more as, you know, what is best for their development and how to utilize their talents and try and refine everything going forward. And the spring season would be the same if if Tokyo runs or or if it doesn't run. So we're operating sort of as business as usual. And and if it runs, then hopefully we've done well enough to secure a slot. Gotcha.
1: Okay. Well, so you're at the World Equestrian Center. You're, I, I imagine you're showing the jumpers, but what are your plans for the, the big eventers?
0: Yeah. So we do a lot of uh, jumping with the eventers as well. Um, we've probably in the last, I don't know, call it four or five years, we're, we're near enough 50-50 as far as jumpers and eventers in the barn. We've got roughly 25 horses going. Of those, I think it's been hugely... Helpful for the event horses to be exposed to venues with a whole lot of atmosphere and Will the Crescent Center? This is our first day here, but certainly would fit the bill. That there, there's so much going on that if the horses can be comfortable in a chaotic environment, you can expect to get closer to what you're able to get at home as far as quality of work. If, you know, if they go to places uh, even earlier in their career, which um, we often did in the past, go to smaller events, smaller venues. I don't think there's as much gain than, you know, they go into a, a larger venue like this, where they can get super comfortable with a lot going on. They then get to, um, you know, get to Kentucky the first time, walk down the the chute into the main stadium, and they would look at that as a pretty commonplace experience, where um, horses that would have only seen smaller venues earlier in life get there, and their eyes pop out of their head, and Um, you know, they're just worried. And clearly if they're worried or nervous or uncomfortable, they're not going to be able to deliver their best performance. So um, yeah, we've, we've tweaked it. I mean, I would say the horses we've got, um, you know, what would be probably the leading seven-year-old now for the Le Leon grant. And before his prelim move up last year, I think he'd only done five events in his life. Um, We were able to, you know, go to a number of jumper shows, certainly cross-country schooling, get him exposed to a lot, but um we've we've been we've been really really happy with uh that sort of developmental process and so with that in mind we've got i think 14 stalls here this week something like that and we've got um certainly the the event horses that the big guys came along there's a uscf training camp running next monday through wednesday so we've got van diver quantum leap star witness uh, all of which the sort of our four star and up event horses here Jumping, But then we've got uh, a couple of the up and coming um, younger guys and and then as well as the jumpers along with. And then we, we were lucky enough to have our, our top uh, show jumper quintessence here and he's going to do the welcome to Grand Prix.
2: Oh, that's exciting. I want to know what your favorite show or like what you're really looking forward to this year, aside from Olympics or anything like that. Like, what are you excited to take any of your horses to, whether for a learning experience or, you know, just to have fun?
0: That's a great question. You know, I think our it's like picking who's your favorite kid, I guess, right? We've we've got a couple really <laughs> um, uh, venues and, and places that we go that we absolutely love. Um, each one offers a bit different experience and, and different benefits for the horses. Um, we start our season off at, at Pine Top, and they've got a great flowing cross-country course designed by Derek DeGrazio, which is a really nice introduction because, obviously, he's also the designer at Kentucky, um, then we head to the um, Carolina International, which is at the Carolina Horse Park. Um, full disclosure: I'm on the board for that competition, but I think they do a wonderful job and huge atmosphere and great courses. Uh, and then we finish up uh, at the Fork, which is held at Tryon, and and Tryon is sort of our second home, near enough at this point. Um, so th- those three would be our our top top eventing venues for the spring season.
3: So Doug and I, I'm going to have to like do a spoiler alert. We were riding a couple of the horses the other day. So looking forward on the Olympics and stuff, why don't you tell them? So if another, this year could be as crazy as last year, hopefully not, but we are riding a couple of the advanced horses and tell them a little bit about the difference of like what they all are. Just a little backside, like vaccine kind of thing about each one of them. When we talked about where each one would be. You know the Grand Prix show jumper, the Grand Prix event horse, uh, or sorry, the Grand Prix uh, dressage horse, and then the superstar. Just talk about each one of them. Tell them what we would What kinda, personality what you...
0: type or long term goals?
3: Long term goals. So, like something if the Olympics didn't happen and you had a lighter oh, long, season, long-term. like okay. what would you do?
0: So, long term goals. So, Van Diver is our, he's, he's, we always joke, he's our old man. He's 17 this year. Um, I always joke that he brings his walker to the ring, but he's uh, honestly been, Better and better, and come out every year stronger and stronger. And he's he's he doesn't want
3: to be outshone by he, the guys. Yeah,
0: he is he is not going anywhere anytime soon. He's uh, come out as strong as possible. So he would, you know, a perfect world. Obviously, Kentucky is a, just a killer competition. So I would love to go there and, and take a real good shot at, at uh, winning. There would be, you know, certainly that's always everybody's lifetime bucket list, if at all possible. He was two years ago, he was fifth there. And so I'd love to look to him improve on that. Uh, the other guy's younger one. So, uh, Quantum Leap we bought as a weanling, and um, he was bred by Dee Dee Callahan, who's on the Eastern Shore of Maryland. Uh, Susan Drillak owns him with us, and we've had him forever and ever. So, he's um, he's a super chill, easygoing type on the ground. Your when you're riding, him. yeah, you would put your grandmother on him. You trust him with anything. Like he's super agile, quick footed. On cross country Does everything in a snaffle Like you barely have to touch him He's he's pretty awesome in that regard He's a little bit of a tweaker though Like every once in a while Like something would pop out of the bush And he'd he'd totally do like Bambi on ice situation Like all the legs go everywhere He long long term he'll He's absolutely a five star horse all day long I would love to go to Burley at some point with him I think he he's um, He was lucky enough to get the grant to go to Lele on the seven year old um, world championships And that's quite a long course, probably the hardest three-star I've ever seen. And the last sort of minute and a half that you sort of dropped down onto this track, and most of the horses were totally dragging at that point. And we hopped over the jump prior, land, get onto the flat, and I just softened, and he totally bolted. I'm like, wow, this is this is pretty incredible. And um, he's probably just about 80% thoroughbred, so that certainly came through. Um, the same experience happened here at Tryon. We came over the first. The, uh, uh, last sort of bridge and turn and a 10-minute track, and he just absolutely took off. So he's going to be an absolute beast at a, at a five-star, but he's got the scope and uh, breeding on the stallion side. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he does some small Grand Prixs um, jumping at some point in the future. And then we've got um, Star Witness. She would be like the total, how do you even describe her?
3: She's something. She's,
0: yeah, she's something. She She knows she is completely... Uh, you know owns everything she would be like the prom queen but also like nobody's going to give her any crap for sure um she will end up without a doubt a four-star champion love to take her to Aachen at some point and um and then she's got the movement and ability she'll end up being a crump preacher horse too i think at some point in her life she's 10 at this point um as well
1: Basically, she's my favorite she's she my favorite of all yours
0: she's-, she's pretty wild she's i mean just an athletic freak you know she's um she's unbelievable and a super like crazy hard tryer she was late to the party she actually started life as a show hunter and um a good friend emil spadone um actually he still owns five percent of her with us and um I said, Amy, what were you thinking? Like this is the furthest thing from the show hunter. She jumps in a perfect shape. The knees are always perfect and all that. But there's no way you could I mean you'd have to lunge her for about a week straight, I think, to get to the bottom. <laughs> so there's no way that was happening. Um, but she's she's amazing. Yeah, she's she's pretty incredible.
1: Well, Doug, we appreciate you coming on and giving us a oh, chance. No, no, anytime. Anytime. And we'll be we'll be keeping up with you and seeing how your schedule shapes out and, and kind of what happens and what shows actually run. Fingers crossed for Kentucky. I
0: think we're we're hopefully turning the corner here. So um, you know, let's let's certainly everybody, yeah, keep your fingers crossed.
1: Definitely, yeah. I I feel like we're we're definitely in a better place than we were last year. So I think we'll all keep moving forward. Hopefully, but Doug, we'll have you on again for sure. All right, yeah,
0: I'm looking forward to it.
1: You'll have to bring a drink if you're not going to drink mimosas with us, okay? Yeah,
0: I will. Uh, yeah, Rowan Creek, it's called.
1: Rowan Creek, okay. Rowan, All right. Rowan
0: Creek on the rocks.
1: All right. Well, actually, on we'll torture you a little bit more. We'll make you stay for Rose and Thorn. Do you want to go <laughs> first? Yeah, I love that. I
0: <laughs> love that.
1: All right, what you got? You can go
0: first. Again, this is the most estrogen-filled segment you guys have, I think.
1: <laughs> If only you had a mimosa in your hand. Huh? I know,
0: right? I'd fit right <laughs> in. Um, so the rose, let's see. The rose. I mean, I, I will say we, we have got to be thankful in, in all that is happening in the world right now that we're able to come down to this venue. And with the group of horses we have, we're no doubt about it. We are completely privileged to have the opportunity. So, So that could be my rose for sure. My thorn. That's a great question. It wasn't a real big thorn But we did have seven hours with the kids in the truck Which was tricky
4: That is weird Ooh, <laughs> It's a long day no, no,
0: no, 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 no uh, Not near, as that, that bad But yeah, the uh, I guess we'll have to go with that Alright, alright I
3: can't wait, Ellie, are you ready? Doug's gonna
2: love Ellie's Rosenthorns. thorns <laughs> <laughs> So this is, is
3: My favorite
2: This is also really funny Because like I'm a little embarrassed now, cause Duck's gonna be out of here. Not that, <laughs> not that the entire world couldn't listen to it. Um so, <laughs> so I guess I'm gonna start with my thorns because it really sucks. So my old barn cat. Um, has got some heart problems going on. So, I mean, not that he's very useful. Like, I mean, he's terrible. He doesn't even catch any mice or anything, but he's just kind of fun to have around. He's kind of goofy. So it sucks. Cause like he's getting old, but we're, we're going to figure it out. I'm not, I'm not worried yet, but so that's my thorn. Um, and I guess this should be a thorn, but it's my rose because I'm still like like I'm kind of oddly proud of it, which I definitely shouldn't be. Oh, Jesus Christ. And Matt's gonna be so grossed out. God bless him. So <laughs> basically i I have this situation where my legs are unruly. Uh, so it started with well, where like, are wait, we going what with is, this? Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> so it started with I'm so scared. It started with stop shaving September, and then it, I've um, never
0: heard of such a thing.
2: Yeah, it it is a thing when you live in Pennsylvania. Okay, ask anybody. Um, don't really because it's not. But so <laughs> then it went on to oh screw it September, and then no shave November. You you and, do know it's. January, almost February. (laughs) And then it was like, don't care, December. And then January was like, just don't really care. Don't have the time. So my legs are horrendous. Like they are, they are treacherous. Matt said, he was like, oh my God, they look like man's legs. And I was like, men don't have as nice ankles as I do. I was like, kind of like, you know, I got good legs. (laughs) Um, and then to make it worse, Matt goes, you're going to need a professional to help you with that. <laughs> you know what? This makes me love Matt so much more, so, so much more. Uh, I mean, God bless him for dealing with everything that is me. But I just thought, you know, I'm I'm kind of proud, like to, to have <laughs> such hairy legs that my boyfriend thinks I need professional help to uh, <laughs> weed whack them down. Um, oh my god! So it's super soft. Yeah, for about
0: and <laughs> uh, forty-five cents, I think there's a solution for that.
2: I don't understand. Oh, you mean a razor? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you haven't seen one of those since like uh, what August? You forgot what that looks like.
2: No, no, there's one. I mean, I keep my armpits in check. Like oh, we've had this conversation before. Like it's just the leg. Hey, you know what? It's it's to the point where if I walk through the house, I feel a breeze. It feels like I'm swimming. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, I will I take a no picture. Worries. I'm going to send you guys a picture because you're going to be like, what the heck? I don't even know but, what to say.
3: <laughs> I For mean, the first time, you have Justine and I both
2: speechless. <laughs> My mom was kind of ashamed. She and was like, like, why am I here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, in case you guys didn't think that I'm unruly (laughs) oh man so sorry doug that you had to hear about that but uh, (laughs) you know that's my rose
0: hopefully there's hopefully there's an end in sight
2: I don't know. Uh it's gonna take oh. a few it's gonna take probably more like two fifty uh of paying for razors to get through like it's like
4: bushwhacking at this point.
1: I um, would just take Matt's advice and go get a professional. Yeah.
2: You need yeah, Ellie, you I need professional advice. help professional at this, help. this point. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that's gonna be really hard to top, Justine. Um maybe you
0: can negotiate a great deal to get your horse clipped and your legs.
2: Yeah. You know what? There I really go. I did think about that. I was like could I use my Andes or my walls to uh, clip my legs? So, anyway, um, I'll stay tuned. You know, that might work. Um, I, if I do that, wow. I mean, I'm going to send a letter to the company and just say, you are missing Thanks a whole market. That. Yeah.
1: Missing a whole market. <laughs> oh
3: my God. Yeah,
1: I'm definitely not going to top that. So, no
3: one can top that.
1: All right, Jess, why don't you go?
3: Okay. So my rose would be, Doug kind of stole it, is that we're back showing. I've been showing in the jumper shows, and that's been fun. I've been doing the 110s and 115s. So that's been fun to get back at it and, like, have fun again. So that's pretty awesome. And then my thorn would be, I don't really have a thorn this month. I guess it's, like, I don't don't really know that we're, Back traveling again I don't know I kind of enjoyed Staying at home A little bit But now we're back On the road And like shows Start up Full time Like we don't have An off weekend For now to eternity So that's A little bit of my thorn But kind of What we love So it's sort of a rose So I don't really know It's the sad part All good things Yeah it's, All It's good things. okay All, all yeah. really good things Yeah uh-huh. I guess my thorn would be uh, When I have to get My second vaccination shot And it might hurt
1: but you so got through the first one. Have the yeah.
3: yeah, but that's my, yeah. So it's like your rose, you're getting it. But the thorn is that you're a little scared. You might not. They say the second one's worse. So I don't know. I guess if I had to pick something, I don't know. I didn't really have one this month.
1: You're hashtag blessed, just.
3: Yes. Very, very, very blessed. Yes. <laughs> and I don't have a hairy leg. So I didn't have a thorn this week. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> your thorn is that my legs are that hairy. <laughs> Actually, my thorn
3: is exactly that. You're, <laughs> in. I feel bad for you. <laughs> we should all have the same thorn.
1: Yeah, you take all the thorns, Ellie. That's. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, it's is so that beautiful. is that your thorn too, Justine? You- we got yours.
1: Yeah. So I didn't. My thorn was going to be that I started watching Heartland because all of you in the podcast group forced me to do it, and now I'm like. I'm almost to season three and my, it's like my poor husband thinks there's something wrong with my brain that I just keep going down this road and keep watching it. So oh,
2: yeah, welcome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's awesome. So I started because someone posted in the podcast group about the show called Heartland, which is like a Canadian TV series about like a, a family on a farm and out West essentially with horses and stuff and I was like all right I'll give it a try because everyone in the group was like oh my god I can't believe you haven't watched it and it's very clearly written for like a 14 year old girl you know what I mean like I feel like that is the target audience so I started watching it and I'm like okay and I started with one glass of rosé and then it turned into two and then three and then maybe four and then all of a sudden now I'm almost to season three um so it's not <laughs> I mean it's terrible. It's like it's really garbage television, but it's something I put on in the background. And I feel like I'm too I'm too far invested in it that I have to keep going now. Well then I you feel- can't
3: yeah, you can't quit. You gotta keep going to find out what happens. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, so- I can tell you what happens. I've seen every episode. <laughs> I know. Your mom. Your mom told me. <laughs> <laughs> my mom is my mom is heartland committed. You have awesome. DVDs.
1: So I'm not really like, but I have no emotional connection to anybody. Okay,
3: that's fair. Not yet. I think
1: I I like the grandpa the most if I had to pick somebody.
3: Yeah. Three seasons in and you're not emotionally connected yet?
1: It's just not my thing. But now I just feel like I have to keep watching it, you know?
4: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome.
1: So that was going to be my thorn, but it doesn't outweigh Ellie's hairy legs, so
3: you have a double thorn
1: um <laughs> yeah but my rose is uh just i'm doing my first usca recognized horse trial you are oh
3: that's so exciting where are you I going
1: know. we're going to three lakes oh so not, i
3: heard it's beautiful
1: it is it's really nice it's the closest to me so it's not quite the hall to ocala but yeah, yeah. keep your fingers crossed i think it'll go well
3: uh, i so. think it'll go really well mikey's been so good lately he has, and he's such a good boy.
1: Like he did the hunters this weekend. We're yeah, going- you won. Yeah, Olympics. yeah, he did. He's
0: crushing it. Well, well, when when a dad just kick you're
3: good. <laughs> not not really on Mikey, but okay.
0: Cross <laughs> yeah. country, you're gonna
3: need it. Oh no, but she did the hunter derbies this past well, week. Well, no,
0: the derby, you're not gonna kick it.
3: <laughs> yeah, At the derby, we just sit. Yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. You just hang out there. She's got that part. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: That's what he. That's his preferred speed. When we get on yeah. cross country, he's like, "What are you making me do?" But, yeah, that's
3: then doug's advice exactly when he says cross country then you just kick
1: yeah yeah for sure so no but he's he's a good sport because he's going from the hunters right back to eventing so yeah so i'm looking forward to it so that's it that's my rose and thorn doug we nice. can let you go
0: Your punishment, punished yeah. it's
2: over, You're <laughs> You're it's precious. over. I, I survived he survived until yeah, but now you're time. gonna have some nasty images in your head. I know, right?
0: I don't know if I'll <laughs> sleep tonight.
2: I'll just make sure to show them the pictures.
3: <laughs> uh, so amazing! Oh my well, god! Well,
0: looking looking forward to next time.
2: Yeah, we'll
3: and, get you and, again. We'll and, corral and I you. I would
0: hope that forest has been like taken down by that point.
2: Yeah, we'll s- no, it it it'll have to. It's starting to come <laughs> through my pants. <laughs> like you can braid it. You like braid it. <laughs> it's it's pretty close like it's wow, pretty
0: close
2: i'll put it next to my cat i just for didn't know it grew that much i felt like at some point it just stops does it actually make you warmer okay so i thought it would and i don't think it doesn't like i'm not i don't know i just i, mean, I don't get cold very easily like my feet get cold but like my body my appendages don't really get cold um But, yeah, it's getting to the point where, like, you know, I wear scrubs at work since I work at the animal hospital. And, like, it's sticking through my scrubs. So uh, Wow. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I just just didn't know it got to that. Uh Okay. Learns all the new every day. I'm putting it next to my cat for comparison for this photograph. Um, I will not. I'm not going to share this on the Facebook group, people. I'm sorry.
3: (laughs) 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 Wait. Patreons only. Patreons
2: only. Oh,
4: Patreons
3: only. There you go. We'll share it with them.
1: All right. So we got an interesting email from Allie who uh, I'm going to read it to you guys. And I'm hoping both Jess and Ellie you can shed some advice for her. So Allie is a barn manager at a fairly nice hunter jumper facility. And she lives on property where she also has a stall for her horse there. There is no established trainer, and all the boarders are amateurs. And she runs that boarding program, but her financial situation is pretty bad. And she believes that the business plan in place uh, when this arrangement was established was not sound, and now she's starting to lose money. So what she's she wants to know is she knows that the boarding business is not a profitable industry, but Allie feels like she should still at least be able to afford rent through her own labor. So she wants to know, in our own experiences, is it reasonable or normal for barn managers to receive free housing as a benefit? Is it even possible for someone to go who isn't a trainer or instructor to run a profitable business operation without a secondary income? So I'm just curious, both of you, like, what's your experience? What advice do you have for Allie?
3: So I think the biggest thing is is like one where you're located and what you're able to charge. Uh, I know every place is different what you're able to charge for board because some places I think it's hard actually no matter where you are. But some places it's maybe a little bit more depending on cost because hay, grain, shavings, all of that is so expensive. And so my biggest thing is, is I don't think it's really profitable to be a boarding barn. And I don't think many people do. But I think if you are able to charge for like full service, so if you don't just have, like not just, you know, board, but if you can offer the, I'll tack up your horse, I'll give it a bath, I can clip it, I can pull its mane, et cetera, like that, and kind of find a specialties and like, look, you can upcharge things and that kind of cost helps you. I think that's part of what would really help maybe make it more beneficial to you. But I think overall, it's kind of really hard to make it as a boarding barn, as like a single income. I think it's very difficult because then it's also taking on, you know, it's not just that, but you also have your horse there as well. So I think it's kind of hard in that whole aspect, but I don't think it's undoable, but I think it's, it's hard. Well,
2: Ellie, what are your thoughts? So, I mean, to get like technical, I feel like I would have to know like more about the situation like i don't know if like are are, is Allie getting all of the money from the board situation or like does the owner of the property get some kind of thing because i think it depends on you know what you're getting in terms of like you know who's paying for the maintenance for the property because that's i think where at least where a lot of matt and i spend a lot of money you know we have to pay to keep the you know water on and the electricity and you know the when in things the summer break right which is all the time because he lives with me so um you know it's that's where we spend a lot of money and there's you know we did our own hay this year but we still had to pay for diesel for the tractors and you know baling twine which is crazy expensive think about it so i guess that's kind of the the situation i mean i don't do boarding for that reason like I just, I have one pasture boarded Appaloosa right now. And I only really agreed to it because my friend was going out of like overseas for a semester. But I feel bad that I don't have better, better words of wisdom. But I think Jess had it, you know, hit the nail on the head. I mean, and Justine, like you said, you know, that lady that, you know, charges just to clean sheets. You know, like you could, you can find something that's not really um, you know, physically demanding, um, where you can get some extra money in, you know, if you're, if you're good with a camera, you can offer to like, you know, take seasonal photos of boarders, horses, you know, people like that, um, you know, stuff like that, that might just get you some, you know, extra income here and there. Um, but if you figure out how to run a boarding facility and not have a secondary income, I would be interested to know because I don't like (laughs) I don't like working full time. So uh, if you figure that out, uh, let me know. (laughs) Yeah,
1: definitely. I feel like it's also important to know when to cut your losses, right? So clearly you're having to pay rent, which I feel like isn't, you know, I think it it goes both ways. i see a lot of people who live on the farm and their housing is free for the, you know, manual labor that they do versus also sometimes they pay a small stipend for rent. But at at some point, if, if this is going south for you, you just, it's important to know when to cut your losses and don't dig your hole. Don't dig a hole that's too deep that you can't climb out. Like if it's not working for you, reevaluate your situation because running a boarding business is just a lot of work. And if you're, and if you can't pay your bills, it's just not worth it. Right. I mean, you should be able to enjoy your horse and if you're not because you're saddled with all this debt and you're stuck doing all this work then i would just say it's not worth it
2: right yeah i mean and if it's taking the fun out of it it's not it's not it's just not yeah it's time to think of something else so
1: i'm sorry we don't have better advice but hopefully that helps
2: yeah and good luck
1: allie If you want us to answer a question, if you have a question for us uh, for the show, you can always send us an email at hello at heelsdownmedia. Dot com or you can join our facebook group which is the heels down happy hour podcast lounge and if you want to hear more from us you should subscribe to the heels down brief our daily email newsletter we've got a lot of cool stuff planned for the brief this year especially coming up in just the next couple of weeks that you definitely want to sign up for you can sign up by going to bit.ly slash and we want to thank all of our partners this week eagle gold smart pack and arena Saddles. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Cheers. Cheers.
2: Cheers.